Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Alright guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Uh, I am Young Ari Gold. I'm joined as usual by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Uh, listeners, make sure you guys go to RunGameClothing.com. RunGameClothing is your sponsor for Texans Unfiltered. You can go to RunGameClothing to find all of your tex- your Houston, Texas uh, sports apparel and swag. Uh, go to RunGameClothing.com. Use promo code UNFILTERED for 15% off of your order. Uh, all right, John. Um, you know, last week... Um, I started to end the podcast on somewhat of a somber note, um, asking what have we seen from this team, what have we seen from this coaching staff for us to feel confident going into a game like yesterday that we could compete or at least, if not win, at least be competitive and show that we are the team that a lot, I think, of Texans fans and Texans Twitter um, thought that we were, and I, I started to go down that rabbit hole a little bit, and I pulled myself up because I, I, that's just not who we are. We're, we're not negative. We're not um, we're not 790, uh, but at the same time, we're not 610 as we don't have a contract with the Texans to be the flagship, so we're a good balance between. Um, and I was headed down that 790 road, and I, I pulled it up and said, nope, that's not how we're doing. You know, I think we'll win. I think we'll compete. You know, Bill O'Brien has shown that he's done some things this year that maybe, you know, he's catching on. And boy, could I have been more wrong than how I ended that podcast. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, what can we say? You're, you were right when you were – we're being all morose at the end, and it's one of those where we kind of talked about it. We were both optimistic and hopeful that we would win. We, It was one of those where even if you watched the game, we weren't as bad as the score says, but oh my gosh, dude. It was just, yeah, it was just bad. It was John, I want to go back. I mean, it shouldn't have even. It shouldn't have even been. It shouldn't have been a surprise. Like we knew this was going to happen. I. It's just. Yeah. It was bad. I want. I want to go back to what you said though. You said that we weren't as bad as the score says. I actually think we were. Honestly, I would say that we were worse than what the score says because the Ravens didn't even try to tackle Carlos Hyde on the end on that uh, on that run to the end zone. This team did not show up to play at all. There was no game plan. Actually, I take that back. There was a game plan. The game plan was the same exact game plan that we had against Carolina. Long developing routes, not getting Deshaun in rhythm, not using Duke Johnson in the passing game. Uh, a lot of the long developing routes, I already said that. Um, re- abandoned the run game early, and I don't know why. Um, the defense did its part for the first four drives, which honestly... If I told you that this team played to the potential of of what the offense could be and this team stopped the Baltimore Ravens four times, three times, I think it was three times, 
you should feel like your team is going to win that game. I know it's only three drives, but, I mean, given how this team started, John, this was by far, I think this is the worst loss in Bill O'Brien's tenure here. Yeah, no, I, I, definitely, I definitely agree with that. I, I definitely that. agree with that. I say that because, yeah, there's the Miami game, there's the Atlanta game, fine. But there's one big, big, big difference between those teams and this team. And that's the fact that you have Deshaun Watson at quarterback. You should never have these type of games, ever, ever. And I know Brady's had, you know, games like this and, and Rodgers. I guess what I'm saying is, is when I say never, in those games – I don't know. I, th- this should never happen. Th- that's really all there is to it. This, this should never happen. I do think the Ravens are a much better team than, you know, we talked about it last week, you know, the Browns beat the Ravens, blah, 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 they put up this many points. Look, the first four weeks of the NFL season is basically just an, an extended four weeks of the preseason. Teams are still figuring out what they have. They make addition. They make player additions. Marcus Peters looks like probably the move of, of the year as far as midseason trades. Um he fits that defense just extremely well, exactly how they want to play in the secondary. Um, but the biggest problem from this game is just the fact that John Harbaugh completely, and I mean completely, outcoached Bill O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not much else to say on that. They – this is it's not a fun one to talk about because there's not a lot of positives on our end. Our defense without any sort of um any sort of pass rush was almost able to kind of keep up them contained, but then their defense just completely it was it was where part of me wants to see the all 22, but part of me just can't stomach to watch this game again. Because it's one of those where did was there nothing open underneath, or did Deshaun take a step back and try to be the hero again? As watching it during the live game, it seemed like he was holding the ball too long. He was trying to push it deep. He was had only eyes for Hopkins, kind of like that, almost like he was in a panic. Now, that could just be how Baltimore confused him, or it could be that he bought into the hype. That it was trying that he was trying to make it Deshaun versus Lamar again. I don't I don't know. And at this point, it it was just kind of embarrassing like to watch as a as a Houston fan. This was this was supposed to be if we I could I could even I could deal with us losing. Like I definitely could deal with us losing, but losing like that. And there was cries that it's like, well, why are we going back and not doing yeah. the things we did the past couple of weeks? Well, we did. They just didn't work, and we even tried to do more of an emphasis on the slot receiver. Kuti actually played a ton. He, I think he ended up leading their all receivers in slot percentage. They had something of a plan. It just didn't execute it at all, and it was awful. And that Ravens secondary with Peters out there now, aren't, they may just be that good. And if they are... If they are, that's kind of scary. I mean, right now, as long as they have a healthy Lamar Jackson, they are the team to beat. They might be. Now, the only chance we would have had, and this game does kind of switch a little bit, and it's not one play, 
But had we managed to score on the opening drive, had we been able to put points up two drives in a row, then the Ravens, the only way you can beat them is if you force them to pass and force them into a hole. And right when we didn't, we, it just kind of snowballed all over you because we couldn't throw on them. Yeah, you know, and also, you know, if we would have came out and, and, and did what you said, scored on the first two drives, we would have been able to run the ball more. We would have been able to try to control the time of possession. We could have there, – there are just so many different things that could have happened. And we'll get into the penalty. Um, I guess let's just get into everything. And just for, our, you know, the, our listeners that, you know, listen every week, you know, welcome to the new ones too. And if this is the last one you ever listen to, I don't blame you. Um, but – uh, we're gonna throw the, old, the 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 template out the out the window, and, and not completely. We're not gonna completely abandon it, but it's gonna be really hard for us to talk about the highlights. There weren't any. There was literally no highlights in this game, none. Um, so we're gonna switch it up a little bit. So game recap and reactions. By the way, just to touch on your uh, opening drive. In ten games this year, in ten opening drives, the Texans have. Fielded three points and three turnovers. Just throw that stat out there. We've talked about a complete game from this team every week, it seems like. We thought maybe Jacksonville would kind of be the, the one that puts us to that, pushes us to that direction. They, they didn't have a full, complete game, but they definitely had their best game of the season. Um, and. The biggest issue I have with this game specifically is just the fact that we had two weeks. You know, we had we had two weeks to truly prepare, truly be ready. Um, you want to install a new game plan. You want to install a new scheme. You have the time to do it. Um, but unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. Um, and then it pointed to, you know, so here's where we'll start. Um, Texans Twitter automatically went back and forth as to who to blame, again, as usual. It's either Deshaun or it's Bill O'Brien. Um, yesterday was a fair example and, and a perfect example of it is literally on both of them. Yesterday's loss is just as much on Deshaun as it is Bill O'Brien. If I had to say maybe it was a little bit more, I would say it's a little bit more on Deshaun because he had the actual ball in his hand while Bill O'Brien was just calling plays. They are tied to each other. The success is on both, and the failure is on both as well. And this game plan really just, when I watched it, it just kept reminding me of exactly that Carolina game. There was no adjustments on picking up blitzes. Uh, they sent the house so many times. We weren't ready for it. When we came out in the second half, it didn't look like we were ready for it. Um, they started to incorporate the short passing game. But outside of that... You know, this this team just was not prepared to play. Yeah. I mean, no. It was, it was one of those where they didn't make any sort of adjustments when what they wanted to come out there and do didn't work. And we just I, – I don't really have – I don't have an explanation for it. I mean, we sat there and we try, we're going to try and figure this out, but it looked like they came in with one plan, and once that plan went to hell, 
the mark of a good coach is adjusting, figuring out, okay, well, this is what we turn around and we do. And it was almost like, well, they spent two weeks on this game plan, so we're just going to stick through it through through no matter what. And it just it didn't work. And it it was and it was so bad. Like this wasn't just one of those where they're doing one thing to kind of just stop us. They completely stopped our offense and they were able to run all over our defense. Now right. we were able to limit Jackson throwing the ball and then he got hot for a while and I think he had like a stretch where he made like twelve completions in a row after he started one for six. The only, and that's because we were so off balance because we couldn't stop them from running the ball. We went two years without allowing a 100-yard rusher to give up 300 yards this past Sunday. Now, this is the NFL. Things are crazy. I mean, remember, the Dolphins beat the Colts. Like, things do happen that are absolutely crazy, and it's the nature of football. Sometimes these things just kind of kind of snowball, and once one bad thing happens, a lot of bad things happen, and you just kind of keep rolling. And one of this game just there's no other way to put it. This game just snowballed out of control, and you blinked, and we we were blink. You blink, and it, the game went from being something that it's like, okay, we're sticking around. Our defense does our defense is doing what they need to, and then nope, it's done. Yeah, and when we were still within. I don't know, when we were still within, when the game was still within reach, nothing, it didn't seem like anything changed. And the only thing that did work and we should have stuck with, I don't know, was maybe running hop out of slot. I mean, maybe. that's how we started the game. That's that's how we started the game. So I don't know why we decided to just change that. I don't know. Um, all right, so last week when I started to go into that thing and pulled myself out, you know, blah, 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 we're here now. We're here after that. You, you mentioned the Dolphins beating the Colts. You know what's funny about that is they didn't beat the Colts with their starting quarterback, and they had tons of injuries, and they lost with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. Not to, like, make an excuse for him, but this team had – Everybody minus Will Fuller on offense and was not able to put up any points until Carlos Hyde decided to run and the Ravens decided not to tackle. I, honestly, I would say this loss is worse because the potential of this team is so much higher than what we saw on Sunday. And that's that's the biggest issue I have. Um, so anyways, back to like last week when I was ended it. So today I started to kind of go back because I'm definitely on this bandwagon now. Um, so I started to do some, some research. So Bill O'Brien's record against playoff teams during his tenure, 2014, 1-6, 2015-1-3, 2016-1-3, 2017-1-7, 2018-2-3, 2019-2-3. Now, obviously, the 2019 number is just, you know, um, that could all change at the end of the season. But as of right now, if we look at seeding, he's 2-3. and three. His total against playoff teams in six years or five and a half seasons is eight and 25. Eight and 25. That is the head coach of your Houston Texans. 
So when he has played good teams that have gone on to go to the playoffs, he is 8-25. and 25. Not to mention he's 1-2, and two, or 1-3 and three in the playoffs. 1-2. 1-2 and, two. One and two in the playoffs. No, 1-3. One, one, one game. Lost to the Patriots, lost to the Chiefs, lost to the Colts. Shouldn't have even won the Raiders game. Thank God we had plenty at that time. So, um, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, as I said last week, like, what B, what has B.O.B. done as his time as the head coach of the Houston Texans that makes you feel comfortable against the top teams of the NFL? And the answer is zero. And this year, he has zero excuses. He has the quarterback. He has the offensive line. He has full control of the roster. He has added the players that he wanted to add. And yesterday is what we saw. And we saw it against Carolina. And we saw it against the Colts. And we saw zero coaching adjustments that led to us losing in New Orleans. Yeah. This is the head coach of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. That's his resume. No, I mean, there's always been excuses, and at this point, there's there's none left. And I don't even... It's like, I want to be optimistic. This is supposed to be fun. Um, we don't want... Nobody needs to take anything away from this that we want the Texans to be bad, because that is far, far from the truth. We want... Well, hell, we take an hour and a half out of our week every week to just do a podcast because we love this team so much. And all of you guys know that. You guys know that we want this team to be successful. That's why we're here. Hell, part of the reason... Me and John can't wait for the day that we're we're talking about a Super Bowl. And we try to sit here and we try to stay even-killed when things are bad and try to stay even-killed when things are good. And right now it's just one of those things that – it's just one of those things that we don't really know what – I don't know what to think about this team. Like we're not – as bad as we were against the Ravens. Like, they're just, they're not that much more talented than us. If you had said it, and I think I even said it before the game, that I think that our offense is better than their offense, but their defense is better than our defense. And I think that their offense has something that it is really, really good at. It is really good at running the ball and throwing the tight ends. And those two things, and they're able to just kind of steamroll opponents and just there's been a couple of games where they have literally just destroyed the will for the other team to play football. And that's what happened to us. And part of that, though, I think is The teams that they've rolled like that before, the first thing you would point out is not just the talent deficiency, but also the coaching deficiency. Now, with us, I don't think that we're as far behind them as the score indicated, but the fact that we were able to just let it snowball like that, that isn't, that is on the coaches. And I would even argue, I don't know, even this is, some of this just fly by the pants because it's too painful to rewatch the game, and I want part of me wants to watch the All Twenty Two because I don't. 
I remember kind of snapping at my, I snapped at my mom and I feel kind of bad about it. She was like, how did that happen? And I'm like, I'm not even sure. Watching the game yesterday, I'm not even sure. Like, I felt like I blinked and, and the score was just out of control. And I like the philosophy that Bill O'Brien brings on offense. I do think that he is probably one of the more knowledgeable people when it comes to football, probably one of the smarter head coaches when it comes to actual football in the game. But there's just something that is not translating on the field. And he's, I said it last week, one of the things that we should kind of look at him in kind of amazement is look at what he's done with some of the players that he's done it with um, to make Hoyer an actual decent NFL above replacement level quarterback is something that's kind of amazing. We made it to the playoffs and won our only playoff game with Brock Osweiler. Like that's, those things are kind of amazing. But when you sit him there and you match him up against the top tier quarter or the top tier coaches in the league, we used to joke that it was just like it was just um, Belichick doing the thing from the Water Boy, where he turns Bill O'Brien into a puppy. I know it's backwards, but it's pretty much what what it was. Um, right now, it seems like it's just about any quality head coach. Frank Wright does it has already pantsed them what three times in a row now, and. The Colts have kind of shown that there's a lot of limitations on their on their on their roster. They're not this uber talented th- roster that a couple of weeks everybody was making them out to be. They are a team that's extremely well coached. Um, and now the same thing with the Ravens. They're they're a well coached team, and they came out with a plan, punched the Texans in the mouth, and they could not recover. And this is just rambling at this point, but. Yeah, it absolutely sucks. And do I still think that our ceiling is AFC Championship? I think that we have the roster. I think that we have the talent to get there. I have seen Bill O'Brien coach games that make me think that he can coach, but I've also seen games like this that I'm like, nope, he's never going to do it. That's fair. Um, yeah, yesterday's game was so bad that I asked my wife, for a honeydew list so I could leave the house and go do whatever I needed to do because I literally, I, I didn't say a word for three and a half hours. I was so mad, so frustrated because you just know that this team is better than that. And when you add to the fact that they have two weeks, it's just truly inexcusable. Um, all right, so we went through Bill O'Brien's uh, resume. Let's go through Deshaun Watson's. Deshaun Watson against NFL top defenses. In 2018, New England, 17 of 34, 176 yards, one TD, one interception. Buffalo, 15 of 25, 177 yards, one TD, two interceptions. That was the J. Joe game. We got bailed up by our defense. Jacksonville, 12 for 24, 139 yards, and a TD. Jacksonville, 25 of 35, 234, 234 yards, no TD. Indianapolis wild card game, 29 of 49, 235 yards, one TD, one interception. This year, Jacksonville, 16 of 29, 159 yards, no TD. Carolina, 21 of 33, 160 yards, no TD. Jacksonville, 22 of 28, 208 yards, and two TDs. That's the one good game, and I didn't want to take it out. 
Baltimore, 18 of 29, 169 yards, and one interception. When is it time to have a conversation about what Deshaun has not been able to do against good defenses? Lighting up the Chiefs is not an accomplishment. Lighting up the Falcons was not an accomplishment, at least at that time. Now, I don't know if he can do that again. I don't know. It's one of those, this was his first game in his entire career that he's lost by more than two scores. And I think that there's a little bit of the mystique behind that. I mean, that's fine. That, But, like, that mystique to me, I, I always fought into that stat as, like, a garbage stat, honestly, because it's such a team sport. Like, you know, he played on really good Clemson teams. Like, we're talking about really good Clemson teams that went to the college championship in back-to-back years. Like, he has had a defense prior to this year that has been pretty good. I, I I don't know. I've just never really bought into that stat. Like I know, like we all love Deshaun. Like all of us, we are huge D four fans. Even here on the podcast, we love Deshaun. I've been critical of him. I've explained why I'm critical of him because I expect more. But when he plays good defenses, he is average and below average. And that Indy wildcard game was a really, really good, like, that that really showed us. I mean, that was the blueprint on how to beat Deshaun Watson was that game. Um, and you, you kind of saw it yesterday. Blitz everybody and force him to hold on to the ball because he's not going to throw it away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he definitely has to, uh, he definitely has to learn to get rid of the ball. Like, this whole, like, that's part of his game thing. Take that part out. Like, just eliminate that part of his game. I'd rather stand him, watch and stand him stay in the pocket and be a pocket passer than continue to see what we've seen when he holds on to the ball. This year has not been the magical year when he's held on to the ball. Last year's, to- yes, totally fine. Crazy plays, dump-offs, rookie year, same thing. This year has not been that year. When Deshaun Watson holds on to the ball, it usually ends in either a fumble pick, sack, it never ends well. Well, what the uh, the Ravens actually did is they dropped more into co- they dropped more into coverage. He had per sack, he had six and a half seconds to throw. I mean, yeah, that's not on the offensive line. No, and again, you were huge Deshaun Watson fans and. Where this year his broken play magic has come from is from teams trying to send pressure. He has been sacked more on teams trying on doing coverage and essentially doing coverage sacks and making him – they throw him off rhythm and he doesn't get the ball out. Once he doesn't get the ball out by just either confusing him or playing press or taking away whatever his first option is – he has a hard time re- readjusting. And 
they're able to do that by quite simply just dropping more players into throwing lanes and then just waiting and waiting and waiting. He's had an amazing completion percentage, but they also know that he's not going to give up on a play. And him not giving up on a play leads to him waiting and waiting and waiting. And he's not going to throw it a high-risk ball, typically. Um, granted, that one where he got spun around and tried to do a dump off, I don't know what he was thinking there other than trying to make too much happen. And I think that this is one of those, if anything, this is one of those games that makes you really appreciate Will Fuller because that same strategy doesn't work when Will Fuller's on the field nope. and healthy. But when Will Fuller's not on the field, you just drop more people back and you let Deshaun wait. If Fuller's on the field, if you try and drop more people back and let Deshaun wait, Fuller's just going to run behind him. Yeah, Will Fuller yesterday would have been a uh, would have been a nice addition. Definitely, definitely changes the way the teams play you. Um, so, all right, let's six and a half seconds for each sack. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Well, I mean, it's funny because like uh, you know if you scroll through scroll through Twitter during the game, you'll see that the offensive line is back to what it was. The offensive line is horrible. Da, da, no, actually, the opposite. Like, the offensive line is amazing. I think that's the longest in the NFL that a game has had average to set. Um, I can't – part of me – there was – I blocked Twitter for, like, a good couple of hours yesterday. Um, so I didn't save the article, but they were stating how – Six and a half seconds is some of the most – it's going to end up being a very, very well, well-graded well um, pass per- – the game is going to end up be getting a great grade for pass protection. Even though if you looked at Twitter quickly, you would say, oh, the Texans' Achilles heel reared its ugly head again. Look at all the pressures, blah, 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 blah. Yep. And there was, there was a couple of – there was a couple that – we're done very quickly, but for the vast majority, I think, what, there were seven total? Yep. I would say two were quick, five took forever. Yeah. Um, I think I counted six were on Deshaun, but um, either way, um, yeah, it wasn't the offensive line. All right, let's get into the, the pass interference that was not overturned and was as blatant as possible. Um one, why have this option if you're not going to overturn blatant pass interference calls, um, especially ones that are touchdowns? Like, you know, I get it if you don't want to overturn a first down or whatever, like on a first and ten, like, sure. But, a, I mean, literally a blatant hug and pull, and, I mean, he did everything that you teach a corners not to do. Um, it's almost like if you see as a corner that the ref is not looking at you, uh, do whatever you want. doesn't matter. I, I honestly don't think that that Saints-Rams hit would have been overturned at this point. And that's the whole no, reason why we even have this. It's there to make coaches feel better. But now we've reached the point, it's almost like there was a kind of like a wink, nod, nod between all the officials. It's like, yeah, we're going to do this, but we're not ever actually going to do this that's going to give the coaches a chance to challenge, but because of the nature of passing interference, we're never actually going to actually reverse one. Well, now we've reached the point where 
there's been several, and we've benefited from it as well, that what on earth are they thinking? Like, they have to overturn this. They have to change the call. And we've both, we've benefited and it's hurt us. And I, at this point, though, it has just absolutely killed us. I mean, of course, you've got the hop one. Then you've got a two where there was offensive pass interference that I'm sure that if the challenge actually was legitimate, they would have used them on because those were blatant, absolutely blatant. Um, but it's one of those things that I know every team feels as though the refs are out to get them, but I don't know what it is about our style of gameplay that has put us in position where more of these calls affect us. But they are there's this is I don't know maybe it is hyperbole, but it really does feel like more of these calls go against us than than other teams. Yeah. Fair. We also pretty much watch every single one of these games all the way through, so um, I, I know a lot of teams are filmed this way, so I, I, I don't want to say that, but, yeah, I mean, when, when you just specifically single in on one team and that's the team you watch on a regular basis, it's a lot easier to feel that way. Well, for instance, yesterday it's a 21-point spread. Two of their touchdowns come off, and they end up on fourth down, and with us we get seven points. Yeah. There's three three different plays that led directly to touchdowns or lack of touchdowns. So it's 21 points. And, again, we didn't – I'm not saying that we needed – we deserved those 21 points back, and even in the grand scheme of things, those 21 points, if you take away 14 from the uh, from the Ravens and give us another seven, we still lose. But it's one of those things that makes it incredibly frustrating. And I I haven't been able to watch as much college football as I normally do because of work. But this Saturday, I watched quite a bit more with my dad in town. And right now, it is more enjoyable to watch college football, even though they will completely screw up some, some calls or lack of calls, just because there is less penalties. I don't know what the NFL has done to its rules. Well, actually, I do know, and that's an entirely different subject. But every other play on the NFL field, you're looking for a flag. You're always looking for a flag. College football, it's very, very, it's just not near to the level, which makes the game a lot more enjoyable to watch at times, especially close games. Yeah, um, you know, I saw a lot of people saying, like, we would have, you know, we would have, you know, possibly won this game. I, I think you have a fair argument. Um, and I'm not one to typically, like, jump into that conversation. But, you know, if that would have been called back, you just don't know what happens in the game. And, you you know, you're looking at one play and you're like, that's impossible. Like, we scored 41. We only scored seven. You know, if you overturn it, it's, it's you know, 14, 41. That's fine. Don't look at it like that. Dive in a little bit deeper into the game. Um, you know, you score there. You don't know what the Ravens do on defense. They might change everything up. They may think that what's happening is not working and they stop blitzing or you know when you are sitting on a lead like that you're able to get a lot more creative and do a lot more different things than you would if it's a tight game um the offense would have had more confidence as a team like we just everybody on in the in the building and on the field for the texans would have just had a little bit more confidence and that's both sides of the ball like you just you don't know the defense probably wouldn't have looked as gassed you know they played really well those first three series. There's no way that I think that they could not have kept it up. 
But as a player, when you start to see the points continue to mount and you're looking up at the scoreboard, you're asking yourself, especially as a defense, if this offense isn't going to get going, why am I why am I doing everything I can to help win the, for this team? Um, they, our game plan would have changed. <laughs> like, there are so many moving pieces to something like this. And I just think that lots of lots could have happened. I, I don't know if the outcome would have been different, but I definitely know it wouldn't have been a blowout. I think the team would have probably responded a lot differently. Um, so, yeah, it just sucks. It sucks. It's a regular season game. So, it's yes, it's getting a lot of media coverage right now. But just think about what happened last year with the Rams-Saints and how much coverage that got. If something like this happens in the playoffs – and a team challenges a blatant pass interference and it is not overturned, people are going to go nuts. Because this rule was set in place, at least from a fan's perspective, that it was here to protect when those types of things happen. And it's not the case. And it's not going to be the case. So, um, all right, let's, let's... I guess let's move into the offense... You know, like I said, we're not – honestly, John, I, I really don't – I mean, the offense was just really bad, dude. It was it was awful. Um, we already touched on most of it. Like, what – there's nothing to talk about on the offense. I, I really don't no. – I don't – there's nothing to talk about. The offense is bad. The only thing, I guess, worth talking about when it comes regards to the offense is that thing that Jalen Strong sent out. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Was pretty, that was a very interesting tweet. Um, I don't have it pulled up, but let me see if I can pull it up while, while you talk about it. He pretty much tweeted out that that his boy, Deshaun, was not the problem. DeAndre. And DeAndre deserves better. Well, I kind of flipped it. Um, I think he said, hey, my, Hopkins is uh, – I need to actually find the actual tweet – but since nobody else going to say it, I want better for my boy DeAndre Hopkins and know it's not DW4's fault. And then he quote tweets, no, it's the coach who drafted uh, – he quote tweets a reply to his original tweet. No, it's the coach who drafted you only to cut you because you didn't fit team needs in quotation, only to then trade for an older version of you. He's a – he, he's a clown and should have been gone. And he quote tweeted with teary face. And then he, you know, then he tweets, that boy Hop is going to prosper regardless. He's genuine and has outstanding humility. Those people always will, always win. Just always take longer for the real ones. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the uh, locker room, you know, and kind of his thoughts. You know, things have changed a lot since then. I think, yeah, that was three years ago. Um, you know, Jalen also hasn't been able to, you know, attach himself to a roster. He had a really good preseason, though. I really thought that there was a chance he was going to make the Browns team. Um, but, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting tweet. What did you get from that tweet specifically? Well, I mean, specifically that Jalen has cost himself his career. He's obviously – he obviously has – some bad blood with Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien, big personality. We know he has a habit of of rubbing some people the wrong way. And obviously Jalen Strong was one of them. Now, 
I know you you are a hu- huge fan of Jalen Strong. Um, I wanted him to be good. He was one of those guys that there's a reason he fell to the third round. And I know that there was a lot of scouts out there that thought he had first-round talent. He had first-round athleticism, but things like that kind of show that just maybe, maybe, maybe it was kind of his attitude. But I understand. I can, but at this point, I think we all should understand his frustration. Again, this isn't, and I don't want to, I'm not defending Bill O'Brien on this. This shows that when somebody's in his doghouse, he really has a habit of rubbing them the wrong way. Because Jalen Strong probably just can't cost himself by tweeting that out there. That probably costed him his ability to get back in the league. When you get that reputation and you do something like that, and you're a borderline player like he is, nobody's going to take a chance on you. To be that outspoken, you have to be a star. And he was not a star. Yeah, no, that's fair. But that just shows you the type of emotion that Bill O'Brien admits in somebody. Yeah. Um, all right, so to the offense, uh, you know, the only thing I think we'll touch on is the fact that, you know, we, the Carolina game I talked about, the fact that Deshaun was locked on to uh, DeAndre. Uh, a lot of people then came into my mentions on Twitter, like, what do you expect him to do? He's the number one wide receiver. Of course he looks at him. No, I, I don't think you guys understand the difference between lock and look. Um, looking at your first option, which is your number one wide receiver, and then going through your progressions and scanning the field, is is what you're supposed to do. Staring at your wide receiver one from the moment the ball is snapped and then running around for six seconds and not scanning the rest of the field, that's an issue. That That's the that's a problem. The, it's all about going through your reads. And yesterday, Deshaun was not seeing the field at all. Um, and he wasn't look, going through his progressions. And he just kept staring at DeAndre from the moment he caught the ball. Um I'm surprised that we were able to complete those first, well, I think it was like six first downs that DeAndre caught in like the first quarter or something like that, something crazy. I'd really like to see how many first down catches or receptions that DeAndre Hopkins has for the season. It has to be a lot, uh, especially when he lines up in the slot. It's almost like he's unguardable in the slot, which is just amazing. DeAndre is so good. Um, But, yeah, that's really about it. I don't have anything else on the offense. John, you you have anything that you want to? you want to touch on as far as that goes or, or the offense in general? Um, somebody on Reddit, uh, it says the Black Scott Pilgrim, he may actually have a point that it was kind of been glanced over, um, where Watson got rolled up on his ankle, and it was his back leg, and he had no, and you could kind of tell that he didn't have the uh, came, same zip on his throws afterwards. That That's an interesting theory. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, again, I think I kind of got tunnel vision on the game, kind of sort of blacked out a little bit on the game because it was so bad to watch. But it is an interesting point. Um, somebody brought up on on Reddit. And, I mean, Watson, we've had discussions about his arm strength. He has plenty of arm strength in the NFL. However, if he loses his ability to drive the ball, that could make a difference. Especially when it's not just like anybody, anything else when you're a pitcher and you throw it a certain way and all of a sudden the ball's not going where you think it's going to go. That could have caused his accuracy issues. Again, 
it's something to kind of think about, something to kind of watch, especially on a short week. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the defense. Um, his name that shall not be mentioned. Uh, you know, it's funny how um, that name ended up on Twitter in a positive light yesterday. Uh, for the first time all season, I saw people who were bashing this man and didn't want him on the team and were glad that we traded him bring up the fact that he was truly missed yesterday. And that's Jadavian Clowney. Um, and, yeah, you are right. Now, Clowney would not have changed the outcome of the game. He, he would not have changed the outcome of the game. It just would have made it uh, – I think it would have made it a little tighter. But um, I just thought that was interesting. So I'm not going to dive into why or what Clowney would have brought. There's really no reason for that. It's not going to bring anything to – it's not going to bring anything to the podcast that you guys don't already know. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting to see that that was the case. All right. Uh, problems on the defense, the fact that, you know, there's no pass rush and the lack of blitzing uh, to try to make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable. This four-man rush thing that Rack is doing every week, uh, except against, like, rookie quarterbacks where he decides to bring the house every single time, uh, truly frustrating. I don't really understand how he's expecting to generate a pass rush now that well, J.J. I think and Connie are out. With him and um, – they were trying to do what they did to Gardner Minshew to Lamar Jackson. They were trying to keep him in the pocket and make him beat us with his arm. Except, you know, we actually have to tackle him. And if we don't tackle him, it doesn't matter if we keep him in the pocket or not. Because, or if we keep, keep contained, essentially, if we keep four men... Because he's just, if we don't tackle him, he's just running by him and running to the next guy. And that, honestly, the biggest fault we had with our game plan on how to start Lamar Jackson, part of it is Lamar Jackson's a hell of a player. The other part of it is you've got to tackle him. You have to tackle him. If you can't, if you don't tackle him, then he's going to shred you. And it was an ongoing issue for the entire game. Even when we, you shouted out Cunningham, and then he he gets made stupid I mean yeah it was just painful yeah I, uh, I agree with you to an extent they, they definitely were trying to do the same thing to Gardner Minshew only difference is, is that we blitz more often against Jacksonville than we did against uh, the Ravens yesterday which um, I, I, we need to find a way to manufacture pressure on the quarterback and we're not doing that we're, we're not doing that and we really didn't do it yesterday at all um all right, uh, what else on the defense, on the defensive side of the ball? You know, honestly, I don't think the secondary was as bad as people think. A lot of those catches were the tight ends that were covered by linebackers. And those three tight ends are really freaking good. I told you guys last week, those three tight ends are all starting tight ends on every other team in the NFL, all three of them, Hayden Hurst, Boyle, and Mark Andrews. They are all really, really, really good tight ends. Mark Andrews is a freaking monster. And... You saw what happened. I mean, all three of them got involved. And they're all good blockers, which is the, the, probably the part that is just the most shocking out of all of it is usually, you you know, you have a team with a good blocker and a, a good receiving tight end. No, the, these three can do both. It's uh, They're also really good at running pick plays, John, by the way. Um, yeah, no kidding. Um, we kind of talked about that, and it wasn't the receivers that shredded us. It was all the tight ends. It was all the so tight it's ends. Not on, it wasn't the corners. It's on the safeties and the linebackers, which is, you know, where we actually thought we were stronger, and we weren't. 
Yeah, I'm going to look and see exactly how many receiving yards the wide receivers had. That's one thing I have not looked at, and I'm interested to see what that looks like. All right. Uh, Okay, so their fullback, their fullback, their running back, and their tight end, Mark Andrews, are the top three uh, receiving targets. Marquise Brown had two. That's the first wide receiver. Then Nick Boyle, Aiden Hurst. Seth Roberts, yeah. So uh, I mean, they he may he completed one, two, no, two, three, four, five, five passes to wide receivers. That's crazy, and they put up forty-one points. That's insane, John. I never even I I didn't even think to look at the wide receivers. That's freaking nuts. Okay, that just made it even worse. Um, yeah, and especially considering Gibson was back and Justin Reed was healthy. Lonnie Johnson was there. He should have used his length. Dylan Cole's getting coverage. Zach Cunningham's getting, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, don't talk about the secondary in this game because the secondary really didn't even play a role. Um, all right, uh, Zach, Zach I, even, I know I tweeted it. Zach did, you know, after I tweeted that Zach was the player of the game, um, he, had, he had an awful, awful game after that. Um, it just, I don't know. I mean, him and Reader, again, Reader had a really good game, but there's only so much he can do from that position. He's not chasing down Lamar. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the defense the defense is bad. John, I don't, I don't think there's anything else really more to talk about when it comes to this game. I, I, it's just an awful performance from the team in general. Um, nobody was good yesterday. Granted, I will say that for most of the game, the defense played well enough to not be this embarrassed. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, uh, let's let's move on. Um, all right, so we're gonna like I said, we're changing things up a little bit this week. Uh, AFC South update after your Texans loss yesterday. They are below the uh, Indianapolis Colts because of a um, they lost to the Colts earlier. So both the Colts and Texans are six and four. Titans are five and five. Jaguars are four and six. Um, is what it is. You, if, you know, if winning the division is very important to you as a fan, uh, this Thursday game is going to be very important. Um, I'm kind of past the point now to where I'm really worried about division titles. Um, it's really not a concern of mine. Uh, you know, unless you're like winning it because you go 12 and four and you're getting a you know a two seed, but um, this team is not going to finish the season um, without losing. It's just not going to happen. And if you look at Baltimore's um, schedule over the next six games, they're they're not going to lose two games, so they would have to lose three because of the tie. So, uh, yeah. All right. So short week, John. Thursday night game against the Colts. I'm actually thinking about going to the game. Because uh, tickets are just stupid cheap, and I don't know. But I also don't want to give this team any money right now, so I might not go. Um, but short week, Colts coming off a big win against the Jags. Uh, news out of Indianapolis today is that Marlon Mack is out with a broken hand. Uh, so for everybody that has Marlon Mack in your fantasy on your fantasy team, that would include me. He's been really good for me this year. He's out. Uh, Jonathan Williams uh, will be stepping in. Just so everybody understands, uh, not much of a drop-off between Marlon Mack and Jonathan Williams. 13 carries yesterday, 116 yards against the Jags. Um, 
this game against Jacoby Brissett, 4-0. Or we're 0-4. Jacoby Brissett is 4-0. Um, it's a big game Thursday, John. You know, I'd like to talk about this game, but honestly, um, I, I don't really know what to say. We know that the Colts play is tough. We lost to them earlier in the season. Um you know, we weren't fully healthy then. I don't remember if we had Will Fuller. I don't think we did. Um, it's definitely a must-win, you know, if they want to make the playoffs or if they want to win the division. Um, but outside of that, like, I don't know. I don't feel good about Bob. It's really what it boils down to. It has nothing to do with anything else. At this point, I really just don't feel good about Bill O'Brien. And well, right now, it's until we see something, I – it's it's one of those things that it's weird for me to say. If we are when we're playing well and the team's enjoyable to watch, because I'm I we're not winning the Super Bowl. Like we're, it's just not happening. We know what's going to happen when we get into playoffs. Even if we win the first playoff game, there's going to be one team's going to ruffle stomp us and and make us you know embarrassed to be Texans fans for the rest of the off season. So, at this point, it's just—it's kind of a lost feeling to have, where you know the team's not good enough to get you far enough, but the team is good enough that you can, we could potentially, if everything breaks right and we get the right matchups in the playoffs, we could potentially make it to the AFC Championship. But we're not going to win that, and we're not going to win the Super Bowl, because there's going to be either the Patriots or the Ravens, and either one of those teams are going to just stomp us, you know? Well, John, you know, I, I, I think what you said there is maybe a little wrong in the sense of this team not being good enough. I, I think the team is actually good enough. I think well, the players are Talent-wise, yeah. Yes, and I just want to clarify that so that way nobody's thinking that, you know, we're, we're sitting here shitting on the team. I think the talent level of this team is enough for us to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I would almost argue that the talent level that has been put together on this team and the way that the talent level meshes, that Bill O'Brien may need to fire himself from being the head coach and just stay on as the GM and hire a different head coach. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was asked that today on Twitter. My only concern with that is I don't think he would be hands-off enough. Yeah, no, you're right, but I'm I'm just saying the talent that he has put together. Yes, Yes, from a pure talent perspective, you are 100% correct. If he was to move to GM and only handle the roster and listen to the coach that he hires, then yes. But if as some, So, yes, to answer your question, 100%. But I do not think that Bill O'Brien would ever, ever just relinquish the power and let the coach be the coach and him do his job. He would have so much input. He would want to do so many different things. I think it would be more of a train wreck right now than it is right now. And it's not a train wreck, but it's just not meeting the expectations that I had set. Um, so that kind of that's a great transition into for us to feel good about Bill O'Brien, the following needs to happen. John, I'll let you take that and then I'll I'll jump in. Honestly, play one of these teams. If we beat the Patriots, I'll feel better. I mean, I just I have zero faith that we can do it, even though the Patriots aren't where they, they should be. And 
I will be moderately excited about next season if we make it to the playoffs and we don't lose in an embarrassing fashion. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean close, losing a close game, because lots of times when we lose close games, it is even more embarrassing because we lose because of a coach's decision and not the performance of the actual players. So I will put it up there. If we just go out, we coach a game, and we just get straight out, there was just nothing we can do. It's a team that we just could not beat, which is quite possibly what the Ravens Ravens wore. Um, however, and might be in the playoffs. And might be in the playoffs. I'm okay losing to the Ravens. I am not okay getting embarrassed like that by the Ravens. And if we are able to do that, and with beating the Patriots this year and beating the Colts on Thursday night, then yeah, I'm okay. The Colts should not beat us on Thursday night. They probably will, though. But they shouldn't. But they probably will. And that's kind of like where I'm at in general for pretty much the rest of the season against any quality opponent. They shouldn't beat us, but they probably will. Yeah, you know what the crazy part about that is? Is These next two games are the only teams that should beat us the rest of the year. You know, uh, I was talking to Michael um, on Twitter earlier, and, you know, getting to the playoffs is just not enough for me. If we lose these next two games and then win the next four, there's a good chance that we get a wild card spot and finish the season 10 and 6. Or no, not 10 and 6, uh, 9 and 7. Um, no, 10 and 6. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be 10 and 6. Um, and uh, that's not enough for me. It's not enough. It can't be enough anymore. Like, think about everything in your life. And think about everything you've ever accomplished in your life. You would never settle for less than anything that you've accomplished. And you've always believed, like for myself, and this isn't like a humble brag, but I I didn't graduate high school. Uh, I didn't go to college. I had my daughter when I was 20. I met my wife when I was 19, and she had a two-and-a-half-year-old son. I was supposed to fail. I wasn't supposed to be successful in life. I, I wasn't. And, you know, that's what that's what everybody tells you. You don't graduate high school, you're... Your salary is reduced by 60% and all these things. But yet I wasn't going to let myself do that. I wasn't going to let myself fail. I was just going to find a way to make it happen. And I've worked at companies that people would die to work for. And it's because I've made it happen. And this team has never, ever, not once, made me think that they are going to take that approach and make it happen. And that's the biggest issue. So... My thought originally when I wrote the agenda was if they can beat the Colts and Patriots, I'll feel fine. I'll, I'll be back on. I, I think that we can, we, can, we can do things. But then it's, it started to make me think, okay, if we do that, that gets us to the playoffs. That's pretty much a guarantee. Like if we beat those two teams, we're pretty much guaranteed to make the playoffs. Like from a you know, scheduling perspective on who we have less, left. Um, but then I started to think, but okay, we get to the playoffs. I don't know if that a Patriots win is enough for me to think that this team and this coaching staff can do enough to win a playoff game or two or three or the final fourth. I still don't know if that would be enough for me to feel that way. And it's just because I would look at us beating the Patriots as an anomaly. 
I, I wouldn't look at it as like, yes, okay, this makes sense. I would look at it as based on the statistical facts and the history of Bill O'Brien and this team, there's no reason for us to think that when we get to the playoffs, even after beating the Patriots, that we're going to be a competitive team and have a, and make a run. And so everything comes down to the playoffs this year. And it's got to be a good one. It can't be we play the Colts again in the wild card round, and, and, we, and but yet we beat them. That's not enough. You, you better beat the Colts. You should beat the Colts. I, I don't know. That, that's just kind of – that's where I'm at. Like, this team's willingness to win and overcome obstacles and hurdles is the problem that I have. And, you know, I was being sarcastic yesterday after the game, and I said, oh, here we go. I can't wait to see the – I tweeted out, I can't wait to see the footage of Deshaun Watson hitting the practice field before – before the before he hits the plane back to H, because everybody bought, jumped all over that. It was like, oh my God, look at him, look at him, look, look, there he is. He's doing it right after a Carolina game. Wow, he's working on himself. Who gives a shit? He should do that. He should do that every week, even after a win. He should do that. Not just because you got dominated at home. You should do it every single week. That is what makes you great. That is what separated the best from the the rest. And I don't get that from anybody on this team. And maybe I'm being ultra-critical. You know, maybe DeAndre is the one person, you know, J.J. when he's on the team, sure. Honestly, I would say that J.J.'s probably taking a step off, to be honest with you, based on the way that he used to work out uh, prior to his injuries. Um, but, yeah, I just uh, I don't see it in this team. And that that's, that's the part that bothers me. Anything on that at all? I mean, I have nothing Nothing else. To, I have nothing to add to it. I mean, I know Deshaun works hard. We, we, Well, I don't know, but based on what's out there, it seems like he does. It seems like he wants to, but... Minus being in Mexico during the bye. I mean, that's pretty common. They go on trips during the bye. But the thing about the Carolina one where it got all that, pl- or all that publicity is the Ravens essentially did the same thing Carolina did. Now, there's not a lot of defenses that have that sort of athleticism. But, again, if that's what stung and what stuck with him, then you would have thought that he would have had an idea of how to attack the Ravens when they essentially copied what the Panthers did. And I just – there's times with Deshaun and – Clemson, my friends from Clemson kind of pointed it out. They said that sometimes he will start to buy into the hype. And it's not that he shouldn't because he's definitely earned all the hype. But that chip is when he, when he has a chip on his shoulder is when he plays the best. It's not even necessarily the big moments. It's when he's playing angry, when he feels disrespected. And sometimes he loses that just a little bit because the spotlight – on him tells him how great he is. He he needs to be the twelfth pick. He needs to be reminded that he's the twelfth pick. He needs to be reminded how great Alabama is. He needs to be reminded how much Baltimore how great Baltimore is. He'll play better against the team when he is told that he's not good enough. He has now come to Houston where we have constantly fed him it's everything everybody else's fault but Deshaun's fault. Which sometimes may lead to him 
I don't. I, I, you can't ever say lazy because they still work at. They work at football probably harder than most everybody works at their regular job. But he does need that chip on his shoulder, and sometimes when he just doesn't have it, he comes out flat. Yeah, you know, um, well, I think like six weeks ago when Pat brought up the fact that you know home games and stuff like that, you, you know, he was out partying or whatever. We, I, I, I immediately dismissed it, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that you know I just don't believe that Sean is that way. And then you know, this last week, you know, when you watch his Instagram and you see what he's doing, he's turning up at the club. He's, you know, on a bye week and he's in Mexico. I get it. Like, that's your week off. You're supposed to do, you know, unwind, attach yourself from the game. I guess my biggest complaint is the great ones don't ever do that. The great ones, you don't see, you don't see that stuff during the regular season from Tom Brady. You don't see that from Aaron Rodgers. You don't see that from the great quarterbacks. And I'm not trying to come down on Deshaun and say, hey, you shouldn't enjoy your life. You're only 24. You've got to enjoy it. But, God, you only play for three months, and then you're in training camp, and you have plenty of other time to do these things. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the Mamba mentality for me. Like, that's how I feel every superstar should be, is that there is no offseason. There is no bye week. You're always on, and you're always working on getting better. And I'm not saying Deshaun isn't doing that. I just there's a reason why you saw Tony Romo golfing in, in Mexico during his bye week. And there's a reason why you saw Odell Beckham and the wide receivers on the yacht. And, you know, you just go on and on. You, you see all these things. Um, the quarterback position is the one position where you always need to be mentally prepared. It's a little different than being a wide receiver. It's a little different than being a corner. The game is held in your hands. You're the one that decides the outcome almost. Yes, other things need to happen, but you're pretty much responsible for most of what happens. And I I would like to see those types of things. I, I don't don't care that you got baptized in Jerusalem. I just don't. I wish you were in your freaking playbook on your surface. But again, that's me. I grew up in a different era. I grew up with different stars. That's what I've. That's the only kind of star I actually knew before I was a Texans fan. Andre Johnson's the same way. So, I don't know. Um, all right, uh, getting into the Colts game Thursday, John. What are your thoughts on? Uh, or how, you know, do you think we win? You know, all the prediction stuff. Uh, I think we'll lose. You think we'll lose? <laughs> I this just game? think we'll lose. Um, it's one really? of those where we shouldn't lose, but I'm just gonna go back to where it was almost annoying. Where I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm just gonna go. We're gonna lose, and if we if we win, I'll be pleasantly surprised. <sighs> Here's what I think. If you guys don't want to be negative or you don't want to hear anything bad, uh, I would end the podcast right now. I think the Texans lose to the Colts. I think the Texans lose to the Patriots. I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans lost two other games after that. I think that this team is just not going to play to the potential that we've set in our mind. Um, I would like for that. I would like for myself to be wrong. But I just don't think this team is going to at least play well the next two weeks 
I mean, we always play the Patriots well. You know, it comes down to a play here and there. I just don't know anymore, John. I, I really honestly believe that we might miss the playoffs. We might. I mean, we might. <laughs> That's realm of possibility. The Titans aren't going away. Um, they're still 5-5 five and five and right there. And they're getting better. Yeah, it seems like they're getting better. So, I mean, I don't know. We might. And as unthinkable as that seemed even two weeks ago, to come out here and just lay a complete and total egg the way we did against Baltimore, that, yeah, that's something we have to start bracing ourselves for. Like, maybe injuries are going to catch up. Maybe them unable to change their the way they play offense is going to catch up. I mean... At this point, it could, it could get, it could get embarrassing, and it's kind of sad. Yeah, you know, just so everybody's clear, this is not like me reacting just specific to the game yesterday. I think the cherry on top was the game yesterday. Yesterday for me, uh, this team just hasn't shown anything all year, uh, except against bad teams, and I, I don't know what else there is to do. So uh, I'm not trying to be negative. I just think that that's what we've seen from the team so far. And if that happens, I wouldn't be shocked. A lot of people are bringing up the fact that, like, oh, you know, if you get hot at the right time, the Giants, look what they did, the the Ravens, all those things. I, I just don't see this team capable of that. I don't see it. So, um, but hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully they just go on this amazing run. So, uh, with that being said, sorry for a somber podcast, guys. I just wanted to be honest. I know John did, too. Um, with that being said, you guys, uh, you know where to find us. Hopefully we have our podcast next week, and we're talking about a win in Indianapolis, and this team looks like what we think they can look like. Uh, but if not, you know, we'll still be here next week to talk about it. So with that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.